Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. Pastor Matt, Pastor Stanton, so um, let's just have a word of prayer. I feel it. I really feel like I got something from the Lord this morning that I want to share with you guys, and um, something that's really just on my heart. And so, Father, we just thank you for this day. But we just thank you for the ability to gather in our homes with our families. And Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that during this season, Lord, that you are for us. You're not against us. You are for us, Lord. You're the way maker. And so, Father, I pray today as we get in the word of God that the word of the Lord would bring life into every home. It would bring life to the hearer today. Father, that we would be encouraged. You would impart courage unto us, Lord God. That, Father, we would face this season not with fear but with faith, knowing, Lord, that we not we do not stand alone. Father, that you are with us, that you will, you will provide, you will take care of us, and that you will shelter us in this season. So, Lord, we just thank you. We worship you this morning, Father. We just honor your presence, Lord. We honor your presence, Lord. Oh, we just honor your presence, Jesus. Father, I pray this morning, let a fresh, fresh love and a fresh, fresh, just um, refreshing rain come to the houses this morning, Lord. Come to the homes of those that are watching this broadcast. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Well, I'm so glad to be back with you. You know that uh, starting, uh, I think it was around the end of December, beginning of January, uh, I tried to really just beat this fat demon. And uh, so we was been getting after it, walking, trying to get healthy, trying to turn the focus towards health. And uh, on Wednesday, um, Catherine and I have, you know, a rack of dumbbells and kettlebells and things like that. And so we were working out. And, I just grabbed a 30-pound dumbbell wrong and pulled my back really, really bad. But I'm back here still walking kind of gingerly. and uh, But the Lord has been faithful, uh, so I'm on my feet walking upright, so I thank God for that. And so this morning, uh, I want if you, uh, I want to share with you something the Lord just placed on my heart. This is where I've been hanging out. And I want to go to the book of Psalms, the Psalms 139, uh, in the uh, 23rd verse uh, this morning. And basically... What I want to talk about, uh, I don't know how far we'll get into this. I've, I've written a bunch of stuff out, and so I've been writing over this for the uh, last couple of days. And so um, I want to, um, I basically what I want to talk about this morning is just our relationship with the Lord, just just going deep. I believe that God has given us an amazing time uh, uh, where everything is stopped. Everything that fights for our attention has been cut off. We, we can't go to a ball game. We, we can't go to the movies. We can't go out to eat. Everything that would fight for our attention has been put on pause in our lives just for a time for us to really just to be able to do maintenance on our relationship with the Lord. Now, I would just say this as, uh, man, I really feel the Lord already in this office real strong. As, uh, as this time right here, the season that we're in right now, as for my family, is just super busy. It's just super busy. I, all of my boys play ball. 
And so at this time, we would be from one ball field to the next. We would be in passing one another. It would just be just going to work, going to ball games, coming home and crashing. And, um, and so I really had this thought, and I want to talk from the point of, of really how we do ministry and how do we make all that fit. And then are we guilty? Are we guilty of getting... Uh, like, I, like, like, here's the thought I got. Are we guilty of, of having our doing more than our being? So this morning, I want to reset from doing to being. How many knows we're, we're, not human, we're not human doings, but we are human beings? And so I feel like this time, what I've done is to just reflect on my own relationship with the Lord. I'll never forget us standing in, in 2018 in January when we were uh, in Columbus, Ohio at the call event and listening to Lou on that stage saying, this year, I want to work on my relationship with the Lord. And I remember looking at that stage saying, my God, if Lou Ingo ain't got it figured out, I don't even stand a chance. But I want to show you the temptation of how easy it is to getting caught up what we do for the Lord instead of just being, our being in the Lord, um, developing that deep relationship with God. I don't believe this is a time to sit down and figure out how can we get bigger, but this is a time to reflect how can we go deeper. So that's the approach I want to go with this morning. And so got Pastor Matt, Pastor Stanton here. And so we're just all going to just share this together. And so look at this verse of Scripture in Psalms 139, verse 23. I'm reading out the Passion Translation. And I would encourage those who are not in our Cornerstone family, we preach this all the time, but if you're watching this broadcast and you don't have, and you don't have the Passion Translation, friend, I'm telling you, the notes alone in the Passion Translation is just unbelievable. It will ignite your passion for the Word of God like never before. So if you don't have it, get the Passion Translation by Brian Simmons. I think now Genesis is done, Isaiah's done, and hopefully we can't wait till it gets the whole thing done. But, um, but anyhow, so let's look at this. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation in verse 23. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sit through and, and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there's any path of pain I'm walking on. My God, I'm telling you, this is so powerful. And lead me back to the glorious, everlasting ways, the path that brings me back to you. I believe in this season, God wants to put us back on the path of the everlasting ways, the glorious everlasting ways. How many knows this, that our relationship with the Lord should not be a strain? What, what, when strain and strife and all of this come in is when we get off of the path of the glorious everlasting way, other than the path that's just leading me to Him. And so this morning, I, I want you to listen to what I begin to write. I wrote this just in my own journal yesterday, that David invites the Lord to examine to examine, he doesn't. He invites the Lord not to examine his ministry, but he invites the Lord to, to to into the inner chambers of his being, and he cries, "Search me." He then asks, he then he then asks, "Am I walking the path of pain? In other words, am I am I leading out of brokenness or hurt or fragmentation? Am I leading out of trying to catch up?" Am I leading out of being overextended, but yet I've overreached grace and now I'm leading out of my own works? 
He's inviting God's light into saying, God, where are the areas in my heart that are, that, that are hidden from me that I don't even realize that I'm now on the path of pain instead of the glorious path that's leading me to everlasting life? He then asked the Lord to put him back on that path. Put me back on that path. I feel like that, that in this season, I, I was reminded of Psalm 51 where David cries out after sinning with Bathsheba. He cries out, God, he says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Man, in this season where all the distractions are cut off from us, I feel like I feel, for me, I can't speak for everyone, but this is where I'm at. God, I want, I want to go back to where it all began. When I just had a hunger to know you, I'm just going to be vulnerable because sometimes leading a church and ministry and raising three boys and being a dad, being a being a husband, all of these things we get is so easy to get into leading not from this place, but really leading out of the path of pain. So, our lives are are, are a lot like an iceberg. Most people are only aware of the external. But how many knows that what's going on the external is only revealing what is hitting underneath the surface? The, the emotions that we have inside of our heart, the hidden things, are, are to much, much of what's going on the outside is, is a result of what's going on in the inside. So Hebrews 3.10 says that they wondered, and they, they wondered in their heart just like they do with their feet. So this verse of Scripture ties down what's going on in me will be in the external world around me. So let me just say this. The fact that the fear, the panic, and the anxiety, that is a, is a test, that is a marker of how much really where we're grounded in the path, what path we're on. If I'm being overcome by anxiety, if I'm being overcome by fear, if I don't have rest in this season, it is a sign that I'm on the path of pain versus on the path of everlasting life. How can you say that, Pastor John? Because Jesus, in the midst of a storm, the Scripture says, was asleep in the back of the boat. The disciples were afraid for their lives, but Jesus never once was afraid for his life because where he had his head laid at, friend, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And where he was seated at, where his inward man was seated, there was no storm raging. My God, if we could get to this place of being seated with him and use our authority that he's given us to speak to these storms. I love what Pastor Bill says, and I know we quote him a lot because we glean from him a lot. But listen, the only storm that we can speak to is the only storm that we can sleep through. So I believe God wants to give us supernatural rest in this season, supernatural peace, knowing that knowing that he makes the crooked way straight and the high places level. I believe God's going to turn a lot of this out for our own good. The greatest thing we can do in this season is cultivate a deep relationship with the Lord. We can't focus on anything else. I'm really just speaking this out of a leadership uh, point of view, but in this season I can't focus on building a church. No one can, no one can gather. And this season, we're not worried about how many numbers we run this week. No, we, numbers don't matter anymore. And we're getting back to what really does matter is how do we cultivate, how do we go deep inside of God where, I, where Psalms 42 says the deep part of us cries out into the deep part of him. I reminded what Jesus said. He said, I've got many things to say unto you, but you, you're not at a place to hear them yet. So I believe God wants to bring some, just some strength and maturity to us in this season. True ministry success should, should be measured by transformed lives rather than by attendance. 
This is just something real simple. But how many leaders get caught up in, into the numbers and get caught up into things, but true ministry success should be caught up and it should be measured by how many lives are being transformed around us. Now, I got them, and I'm going to let them share some too in here, but I've got, I've got four lies. I just took this time this week to write out four things, four untruths that maybe we've embraced as truth. Maybe not everyone watching this has embraced this as truth. I'm just really preaching from a point of leadership that things are easy to get in but it's not just leadership that falls into this it's everybody falls into this it's easy to get get to fall into a rut or just a routine with our relationship with the lord uh lose our passion lose our joy and all of these things and so so let me just say this here's number one here's number one i believe that gets us in trouble and gets us and, and makes us walk on the path of pain and makes us get off of the path that leads us to everlasting life. Number one, it's not a success unless it's bigger. Let's just say this, the day in which we live in, with social media, with everything in our face, when you feel like God gives you something and you pin that article out and you're so, you're so worried about releasing that, but you know God gave it to you. You know God spoke to you. You know that you wrote that place from the secret place and then you, you, you put it out there and because it doesn't receive a thousand views or because it doesn't get shared a hundred times, that little voice that comes in there to speak to you and say that you're a failure. And so we must break this lie that, that it's not success unless it's bigger and better. Most of us have been taught to measure, most of us have been taught to measure by external markers. Numerical growth is what the world equates with power and significance. If it's an absolute value, it's an absolute value. Bigger is better. Listen to this. What we miss, and I, I want you to read this, Stanton, out of John 15, 1 through 8, out of the Passion Translation. What we miss in all of this counting is the value that Scripture places on the internal markers. So I want you to listen to this Scripture out of John 15, 1 through 8, as, as he begins to read this out of the Passion Translation. Read that, read that for the people. John chapter 15 Verse 1 says this, I am a true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. Verse 3 says, The words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you, so you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch... Uh, severed from the vine will not bear fruit. So your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I am the sprouting vine and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. I love that. Oh but when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. So in this text, Jesus is dealing with, he's dealing with growth, and he's dealing with abiding. He's dealing with abiding and abounding. And so he connects the abounding fruit to the abiding relationship. Whew, my God, my God. So in this text, 
Jesus connects the abounding fruit that he expects to come from our life, but all of that is in the context of abiding. Man, what if we, what if we just took our, our, our young teenagers and those that feel like they're called to preach the gospel, if we was able to just strip away and put blinders on them and say, we're not worried about how many, how many people you baptize, how many souls you win, how big of a ministry you have, but we just focused on how deep, how, how hidden can you get in God? How much abiding can you have? You know, one of the books that I read, man, it was probably multiple years ago, maybe 15, close to 20 years ago, is the book about Brother Lawrence, about practicing his presence. And one of the things, his whole focus of his ministry was not how many people that he gathered in a building, but his whole focus was as how much God could he get in a room? How much God could he could he get into? And so what he would do is get in this little bitty closet, and he would just begin to worship, and he would begin to worship, till God begin to feel that room and he began to fill that whole space with God and then he would move in man I feel the Lord in here and he he began to get into a larger place until he he learned how to fill that whole place with God and and it was said that people would come he was nothing but a monk man a, a cook and people would come from all over to watch him just peel potatoes in the presence of the Lord and so what he taught was he has trained himself that anytime his mind Anytime his mind would shift or begin to move away from the presence of God, he had trained it to where he would bring it back center. And so I just feel like for me, I just look back over over really the past 12 months or even where I'm at. And you know, this is not measured by success with ministry growth. But one of the things I got a text from yesterday, I said, you know, me and my family is gathered around a table playing board games. Friends, that is true success right there. That's God restoring the family back to back to what really matters. And so in this, I just feel like, listen, I believe this is the greatest truth. This is a great truth that all ministry, all ministry, Brendan Manning says this, that preaching, preaching is giving to another one's own contemplated thoughts that he's received in prayer. But we, but some kind of, we, I, we make this, we, we buy into this lie that puts us on a path of fragmentation and it leads us to a path of pain, which we believe that preaching should come out of one's great gifting. Preaching should come out of uh, one's great knowledge. But all preaching is, is it is the, it is the releasing of one's own contemplated thoughts that he's had at a secret place with God. So, so, the fruit must remain, if it's going to be sustainable fruit, it must remain from the abiding place. And Jesus plainly states in John 15 that my job as a believer, my job as a believer is not to win souls. My job as a believer is not to become a preacher. It's not to become a worship leader. My main job as a believer is to abide, to work on my connection with him. Now, I want you, Matt, if you'll pull out John, uh, Luke chapter 10. I wrote this verse of Scripture down right here in Luke 10, verse 17 through 20. Luke 10, verse 17 through 20. We're talking about right here of, of, of dismantling the lie that, that success is only success unless it's bigger or better. And so we're talking about the path that leads us into wholeness the path that leads us into the everlasting joy. And so look at Luke chapter 10, verse 17. When the 70 missionaries returned to Jesus, they were ecstatic with joy, telling him, Lord, even the demons obeyed us when we commanded them in your name. And Jesus replied, 
while you were ministering, I watched Satan, Satan topple and until he fell from heaven like lightning to the ground. Now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over his kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power. Satan, Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. However, your real source of joy isn't merely that these spirits submit to your authority, but that your names are written in the journals of heaven and that you belong to God's kingdom. This is the source of true authority. Now listen to this. In this text, Jesus sends out the 70. He sends them out, 35 teams, two by two. And as they go out, they have great success. They come back talking about the numerical success that they had just seen. They talk about demons coming out. I mean, they're, they got, they're displaying the kingdom of God in power and might. Jesus comes back. He's excited with them about the things that they have experienced. But then he brings them back. He brings them back to the reality. Listen, the greatest thing is not by what you just saw happen. Your greatest strength of joy is going to come from your abiding place in me. My God, I'm telling you, I feel this this morning. I just feel like, friend, that we have got to take this time where everything has been paused and really cultivate the secret place again, really cultivate that place of prayer. And so listen to this. I was reading this this, this thing from, from um, just these different leaders that have like multiple, multiple, even some of them had thousands of churches that they were connected with. And they were talking about how that they did with their leaders. And they, and this is one of the things that was said. When you ask a young pastor, when you ask a young leader, what are, what are the greatest things that you're going after? Most of them said, I'm, I'm, I'm going after the build a great ministry. I'm, I mean, to do the stuff, man, to do the stuff that we all believe that success comes from. And only very few had this answer. My greatest goal is to develop a deep, lasting relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's just talk about this. You run a tremendous amount of young people here on Wednesday night. There is a lot of preparation that goes into that. How do you keep the balance? This is what we've got to begin to ask people these questions here. Not how many numbers you're running, but what is the rhythms of your life? Tell me the day-to-day rhythms of your life. Tell me how are you cultivating? How, how, what does, when, when we talk about that, okay, Pastor, I hear what you're saying. We've got to cultivate a relationship. What does that look like? How do you, go, how do you approach a stage to lead worship? It do, is it, because your job is to... Your job is to make sure that there's no disconnection between the, the between the the congregation and what's happening on the stage. I've been in so many places, man, where I've seen the stage going for it, but yet the congregation is unaware of what's in the room. And I, I can tell you this. I, I'm going to go back before you answer the question. I remember going to church with my mother-in-law, and they were dedicating a new temple. They were never dedicating their new church. And they were not in the denomination that I was from. Uh, those that know me know that I come from a Pentecostal charismatic heritage, and I'm very thankful for that. But we were in a church, and to me, the service was just dead. It wasn't as live as what it wasn't as live as what I was used to. And I'll never forget there was a there was a man that stood up in the choir, and I with tears flowing from his eyes, he said he had never felt the presence of God in a corporate gathering like he was experiencing in that moment. And when he said that, deep conviction come on me. I mean, I felt convicted 
because I believe that we can be like Jacob, that God is there and we're not even aware of it. And the reason why we're not aware of that is because we. what makes us not aware, what made me not aware of it in that moment is, number one, as I was looking, you know, the scripture in Luke 24 says, as disciples was on the road to Emmaus, it says that God appeared to them, Jesus appeared to them in another form. A lot of us are looking for the Baptist Jesus, the Church of God Jesus, um, the Nazarene Jesus, or whatever you're you're accustomed to, whatever your church teaches, that's the Jesus that you are looking for. And now we we see in the Bible what we're already prepared to see. We don't approach it like we we see with accents. We see what we're prepared to see, but bases uh, uh, our upbringing and things like that. But I'll never forget in that moment of seeing him weep. Now, what had happened? What was the difference in him sensing God in that moment versus me not knowing that God is nowhere in the room? I believe it has a lot to do with the solitude. The, the solitude. And listen, friend, we can't, we can't resist this lie. We can't resist the lie that bigger is better unless we put the brakes on some things. Unless we get back to simplicity and a place of rest and a place of slowing down and solitude. So how do you, tell me, tell me the rhythms. How do you keep yourself where um, but probably like me, I'm not putting words in your mouth. I just, but I do know you outside of. I know your life, and and you are very passionate uh, with the Lord. But how do you keep that balance? Tell me, do you find yourself from time? Let, let's just be honest in here. I can tell you, there's times that I come out of routine that I know that I'm coming from a place of depletion. I know that I'm ministering from a place of fragmentation. I know that I'm coming from a place of, uh, of the path of pain instead of the path of everlasting joy. So how do, you real, how do you realize that? And then what do you do to sustain that in your life? I was thinking this week, man, the story of Martha and Mary, and we find Mary at the feet of Jesus, and Martha's so busy it wasn't that what Martha was doing was wrong. So I would marry what Martha was doing to the stress and to the pressure, really, of building ministry. Sure. Um, so when I read that passage, I think that, you know, many people would just skim right over that. And they would say, well, that doesn't apply to me. You know, I'm trying to build some huge emphasis of compounds of ministry but there is a reason when Lazarus was dead that Jesus was moved with compassion. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, but yet it's probably the most powerful verse in the Bible when it says that Jesus wept. Martha said the same thing. Lord, if you would have been here, you would have raised my brother from the dead. Mary says the same thing, but then Jesus is moved in brokenness, what was that? I believe that I believe that we can comfort the Lord. I believe that we can be a sense of of just comfort even to the Lord. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, I believe it was Moses that changed God's mind even. He, he was contemplating with the Lord, and the Lord was getting ready to really to pour out judgment upon the people. And and Moses begins to, begins to really talk and pour out his heart to the Lord, and God says, okay, I'll spare them. What's my point in telling us that today? My point is, is that you can move the heart of God, friend, first of all. I think that when we look at people, I think that you can really tell when a person is, is, is seated and is planted at the feet of Jesus because the Bible says the most repeated verse in the New Testament 
uh, that we see and that we see in the Old Testament, the most quoted in the New Testament is, I will make your enemies my footstool, your footstool. So when we remain at the feet of Jesus, that grants opportunity for the Lord to come and rule in our lives, in every area of our lives. So how do I have the lordship of Jesus? How do I have the awareness of his presence through everyday life? I must remain at his feet. That is how the Lord rules and reigns in our lives. I want to show one more thing, and then I want Matt to speak also. The, in John chapter 13, I won't read it, but everybody, Jesus has expressed this, that somebody's getting ready to betray me. Yeah. And we find John, the, the one who, the disciple who Jesus loved, and I will read this one verse because it's so beautiful. It says, Everybody's eyeing each other. Disciples puzzled over which one of them could actually do such a thing. But John peered into something that nobody else got to experience. And it says this, the disciple that Jesus dearly loved was right was at the right of him. Anytime we see somebody at the right of Jesus, that represents a place of authority. And was leaning his head, was leaning in, was leaning his head on Jesus. Peter gestured to the disciple to ask Jesus who it was that he was referring to. Then the dearly loved disciple leaned into Jesus, Jesus' chest, and whispered, Master, who is it? And then Jesus reveals the secret. So I think the secret to ministry, I believe the secret to just simply doing life in everyday life is pressing and leaning into the breast and to the chest and remaining at the feet of Jesus. That's where authority comes. Friend, your gift is going to function regardless. You can pick up a mic and lead worship and preach. That's the easy part. We, If we strive to do any, anything, guys, I would say that we are to strive because according to Hebrews 4, there was a group of people that heard a word but did not mix faith with it, so then they never entered into the realm of rest. Come on. So if we strive to do anything, friend, come on, we strive to remain at a place of rest. How do you overflow with the Holy Spirit? You yield to love, and you allow the Lord to love on you, and you love on Him. It's this great exchange. It's this great duet. The Spirit and the bride say, come, in divine duet. Last thing, and then I'm passing it to Pastor Matt. In the Welsh revival, some would say that it was the greatest revival to ever come. I love this story. I tell it often. It makes me weep every time because I think of one simple statement that shot through the atmosphere, man. And in a move of God like this, some would deem this as, you know, not important or or not successful. But in a meeting, the Welsh revival had broken out or was getting ready to break out. And this little girl stands up in this meeting. Really, this, this is really what sparked the movement. And this little girl stands up. She probably would have been 8 to 10 years old. And she had, a, she had a personal relationship with Jesus. And she stands up in the meeting and she says a couple simple words. She says, I love the Lord Jesus with all of my heart. And, the, and all the people that were there tell the story of the presence of the Holy Spirit, just like, you, just like you said, filling the whole room. People that were sitting at bars had to press their alcohol back. People that were at sporting events literally had to get up and go to be away with Jesus. That's the power of our communion. Come on, of one little girl making a bold statement. It's as simple as that. I love the Lord Jesus with all of my heart. And the Lord used that little girl that day to make one statement to bring the presence in, you know, to bring the presence of the Holy Spirit and to do something great in the earth. Man, that's really, really good. Before you say say something, I was just going to 
throw in some stuff right there, just pick it up what he was saying on. That's why I love a setting like this that um, we just, just feed off of uh, what each other's saying. But Todd Bentley had um, love him or hate him. He can't knock some of the things he's done. So I know how to eat around. I know how, I'm not I'm not afraid of a T-bone because there's a, uh, a there's a bone in it. You know what I'm saying? I know how to eat the fillet and the and the strip. But um, but he had a he had a album called Pickling in the Presence, and he talked about marin, marinating. This is crazy. Sounds crazy, but but he talked about how a how a how a cucumber goes into a jar. And the way it's transformed into a pickle is just by staying in that place. Friend, I'm, I'm trying to tell you, we've made this. I never forget watching a clip by Leonard Ravenhill just, just a few months before he passed. And if you've ever le- read any of Leonard Ravenhill's writings, and I'll never forget watching him with tears coming out of his eyes, he said that prayer, prayer is such a, a, a vast subject that he could never cover. But yet it is so simple that a child could approach it. And and we've made prayer this difficult subject. But let me tell you this. My prayer a lot of time is cutting on worship like you hear playing in the background in this office. And I just get at a place of solitude and I set to hear his voice. I lean into his heart. And a lot of times it takes me, it takes me the first 30 minutes or so just to quiet my own mind and to get my own mind from racing. But, but all the Lord is looking for, he's not looking for, I love this, he, he said in Exodus, he brought them out of Egypt to bring him unto himself. He's not after our accolades. He's not after our accomplishments. He's after our heart. And the Bible says in Proverbs that out of the heart flows the issues of life. Friend, anger, jealousy, lust, all of these things, insecurity, all of these things are coming not from the path of everlasting joy. They're coming because we're walking the path of pain. I'm telling you, man, God wants to remove some things out of our hearts in this season. Man, how many times do we gather corporately? We get, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. I got, I got, I just got to calm down. I'm about to just stand up and, and throw this coffee table in this room, man. I'm telling you, I feel the Lord so strong. All right, listen. As we approach the subject of worship, do you believe God is more? Because you know my heart. You've been with me the longest, and man, I have watched God transform your life. I mean, God's done an amazing transformation in your life, and you know my passion. My passion has never been about about a polished product, but about something raw. I love authenticity. I love harp and bowl, organic, just off the cuff, just whatever. And I'll never forget one time I was praying and I was reminded of an old Southern Gospel song by Sherry, Sherry Easter. And it's written about a child going to the mom. And it says, um, she's satisfied with a handful of weeds. She deserves, man, I feel the Lord. She deserves the greatest of everything, but she's satisfied with a handful of weeds. And so I believe our father's like that, man. He says in, in Psalms um, in Psalms 8 that out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, he's ordained praise that, that, uh, and strength that he might steal the enemy. So every time I release my praise unto Yahweh, I mean, it breaks the back of the enemy. So, so 
so just talk to me a little bit. Just just talk to them this morning. Try to encourage them on on just the approach of the secret place as it pertains to worship. Uh, the one thing I wrote down while ago when we were talking was uh, it, it any ministry, whether it be worship or preaching or or whatever it is, everything must come from a place of overflow. Everything. If you anybody can walk in and move a room on talent, come on. You know, before the lockdown, Celine Dion's selling out. You know, uh, Vegas. Vegas, yeah. And and people will line up night after night to see her. Yeah. So so you can move a room with talent, but you're not piercing the heart of the people. You're not causing something to come alive in them that was placed before the foundation of the world. You know, you're not piercing to the heart of that person. So I think first and foremost, you have to come from a place that is from overflow. Get along with the Lord. Hear what he's saying. Like you're talking about, quiet yourself. And that's what we, you know, we try to do. I preach to the team. We try to do is, all right, what's the Lord saying today? Yeah. What's he talking about this morning? Yeah. Let's hear his heart this morning. Because we can get up and knock out a set list and nobody will leave change. But you may have the one word or the the phrase or the the just the heart posture that changed somebody's life that walk in that Come may on. walk in completely depressed and shut down and that one word simply because you're leaned in all week hearing what he's got to say. Come on. So I think from overflow, that has to be our posture with everything yeah. that we it has to get it's actually in the front of this journal that you give me. Overflow. Everything has to come from overflow. And and like you said, there are times where you can come in and use your gift and and but you leave empty. The people leave empty, and you've done nothing but create a spectacle. I love the, uh, I think it's uh, Ravenhill that said the uh, the prayer room allows no showing off. Yes, you right. know, you know, you can you can be the greatest gifted person and 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 never release the heart of God. And I think that that, like I said, overflow is the key to all of that. I wrote a statement yesterday while I was with the Lord, and this is what I wrote: Just because we have a gift, we have gifts and skills to build a crowd doesn't mean we are building a church or a ministry that connects people intimately with Jesus. You can use your gift and just, we've heard Damon preach this a lot. You can go, you can go YouTube Whitney Houston singing the national anthem and the hair stand up on your head. But no one was moved in the inward man. It is, my God, my God. Let's, let's look at this. I got it because we got to travel because we can stay right here just on this one thing all day. Listen to this. Lie number two. These are, these are things that I wrote down in my personal place to say these are things that will keep us on the path of pain. This will keep us on the path of depletion, fragmentation, keep us from being whole. You know what I'm saying? Instead of, instead of us walking the path of divine joy. Now, let, let me just say this, because we, we ain't got nobody in here that can throw no Bibles at us or hymnals at us or whatever. It's just us three and John Brown, the media pastors in here. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, I've noticed how certain groups, certain circles of ministry, some seem to be so at ease and others, and, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just being brutally honest in here. That I've looked at others and say, man, how can they just live from that? How, how can it be that simple? I mean, my God, I'm a I'm I'm in here attacking. I'm attacking. Uh, I'm I'm binding and loosening. I mean, I'm spitting and sputtering. I mean, I'm 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 preaching three rows deep, running the pews. How can it be that simple? What they have found. Let me just say this: what they are operating in, that I 
am not operating in at times they are operating from the place of just communion Jesus was even listen this when he gets the news that Lazarus is sick he does not address his disciples and say boys pack it up right here we got to hurry we must run we must get there quick the Bible says he stayed where he was at. He was only moved by what he saw the Father. Now, what we're talking about, this is not just in ministry. This is your business. You don't have to get on the Internet to get your model for business off of somebody else. There's nothing wrong with gleaning. There's nothing wrong with gleaning, and I am a gleaner. I read. There's nothing wrong with gleaning. But what I'm telling you, God wants to download a model into your heart that could be an example in, in your community community, right where you're at, man. Come on. In, in Sean Bose's book, Breakthrough, that he did with the prophecies in there, I remember reading that thing, and one of the things that I got out there that was a nugget that God said, quit looking to the model and become a model. God is looking for grassroots, I'm telling you, expressions of his heart that will never be seen, man. It'll never make it to Daystar. It'll never make it to TBN. It's never going to make it to God TV, and it's probably never going to make it on a viral video. But it does, not it does not mean that it's not authentic. It does not mean it's not God. And a lot of times I think that we look at people with national platforms and we wear the judgment, we judge ourselves because we don't have that type of platform. Listen, if God doesn't give it to us, we can't, have, we can't build it. The Bible says unless God build it, the labor's labor in vain. And a lot of times our labor is in vain because we're building something out of our own ambition. We're building something out of our own ego and God never originated and God never authored us to build. We've got to get to this place of rest and just learn how to abide in him. What Jesus saw the Father doing, that is where he had the power. Think about this. He didn't, he didn't hurry. When he goes there, back to February, Martha comes out, who had been working tirelessly, who rebuked Mary for not getting up fixing the sandwiches. First of all, she was fixing sandwiches that Jesus never, never told her to do. Come on now. He never told her to do. And so in that, Jesus gives her theology. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me. Come on. I am the resurrection and the life. Now, but when Mary, look at this. My God, my God, there's so much coming off of this. Mary stayed seated until she heard the voice of the Lord. How many, how many young ministers have just went instead of being sent? The power comes from being sent. The power comes from being acknowledged by leadership in the house and being sent. We're sent when we hear the voice of the Lord. She stayed at that place until she heard the Lord. Now, when she approached Jesus after he called, he did not give her any theology. He said, where have you laid him? She moved him, friend. I'm telling you that. There's something about the person that abides in the presence of God. To be much with God, we, to be much for God, we've got to be much with God. If we're going to sustain what we're talking about, what we preach at this church, if we're going to sustain legacy, if we're going to sustain something that we hand off to another generation, it, it, it cannot be built on super of superficial stuff. It cannot be built on lies. It must be built from the secret place. It must be built from the place of intimacy with God. That must be the top priority. If it's not the top priority, all we are doing is running a circus and we are trying to compete with the local church down the street. But if the focus becomes back on relationship with Jesus, we're not in competition with the people down the street and we can, and we can look at that and say, thank God for what he's doing at that place down the road. Absolutely. 
So listen to this. Here's lie number two. We're not going to get to all of this because I wrote pages, okay? And um, so we start losing them when we all gather. We start losing y'all after about 30 minutes. So I'm on just hopefully with your coffee. You can stay awake right here and stay with Fred. But we're just going to try to get this other point right here. So this is what I wrote. What we do is more important than who we are. Let me tell you this. If what you do is more important than who you are, you will always be compelled to use your gift because your identity will come from your gift. And the day that you don't have your gift, the day that your gift is not working is the day that identity crisis begins to come inside of you. Notice this, that Jesus was totally, totally settled. He was totally settled in his inner being. He was seated at the place of you are my beloved son before any public ministry ever began. When he grabbed the towel and basin, he was not, listen, he said in John 13, I love this. It says, knowing this, that he had came from the Father. Knowing that he had came from the Father. And knowing that the Father had given him all things. He grabbed the towel and basin and began to serve. He, so his identity, he wasn't doing what he was doing to get an attaboy. Man, this is good right here. If you live by the praises of men, you will die by the criticisms of men. So we've got to train a generation. We've got to train ourselves first and then impart into a generation that the only place you can get your identity is from the secret place. If you get it anywhere outside of the secret place, you're going to be leading from the path of pain, fragmentation, depletion, and all of this. After Jesus did, after Jesus ministered and he had a great result, the Bible says he would hide himself along with God, allowing God to pour back into him what he had just given out. So let's look at this. Your being with God or lack of being with God will trump eventually you're doing for God every time. That's a good statement right there. Your being with God or lack of being with God will trump eventually your doing for God every time. We cannot give what we don't possess. But listen to this. You can't help but give what you do possess. So what are we, I'm just asking you as believers, what are we giving our communities in this season? Are we giving them faith, hope, or are we giving them desperation? Are we giving them fear? Are we giving them a lack of hope? It's my communication. We're going down. We're going to lose everything we got. I'm believing by faith that no one connected to this ministry or this house will lose anything. I'm telling you, listen, your business may be submerged just for a moment, but as surely as the tide recedes, the tide will come back, and God will give down, press down, shaking up, multiplying, and running over. I, I got texts yesterday, God's supernaturally taking care of people in the season. So listen to this. In Acts chapter 3, let's go on this. Let's close out just with this point because we can't get to all of them. In Acts chapter 3, there is a man crippled, laid, the scripture says, at the gate called beautiful. Notice they caught it wasn't beautiful for him, man. He was crippled. He he was he was he was broken. He was he was having to beg for alms, but it was called beautiful. How many people are living lives right now that they call beautiful, but they know it's not beautiful? 
Do you call in it beautiful, friend? But in reality, it's not beautiful. You call in your marriage beautiful, but in reality, it's not beautiful. You call in your finances beautiful, but in reality, it's not beautiful. You call in your business beautiful, but but in reality, it's not beautiful. But you're laying at the gate. A gate is a place of transition. We are at the gate, friend. We're at the place of transition. We're transitioning out of some of this fodder that we build up around our lives and breaking all of this stuff off of us to get back to what really matters. And it's just that deep communion place with God. So Peter, so so Peter and John says at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, they go to the temple to pray. So other words, this so other words, someone had trained them that it, the focus of the ministry was not going to be how big you can build it. It was not going to be how many Instagram followers we could get. It was not going to be on how many people's hitting your social media, how many people's hitting your website a day. That was not the focus. But someone had trained them that the focus must be a solitude place of prayer every day. In other words, this was a rhythm. This was, this was a reoccurrence in their life. This was a habit that they had made of going to meet God. As they go to meet God, the Bible says that they encounter this cripple at the gate called Beautiful. He looks at them for alms, asking to receive money from them. They look at him and says, silver and gold have we none in the King James, but such as we have, we give unto you and rise up and walk, and the man gets healed. So other words, they've got something they possess. And what they have, they're able to transfer. Listen to this. If it does not reside in you, you cannot transfer it from the ex- to the external. If faith is not in you, come on now. We all have a measure of faith, but please understand what I'm talking about here. But, if, but it goes like this. You can preach anything you want to preach, but you can only impart who you are. An apple tree can be preaching oranges all day long, but it will reproduce apples. So, so you, have, you can only reproduce what's on the inside of you. So now, so he says, such as I have, I give unto thee. And the man rises up and walks. He leaps up, and then the Scripture changes. The Scripture changes and doesn't say the gate called beautiful anymore. It says that he runs through the beautiful gate. I believe God wants to take in this season where there's been ashes, where there's been no growth, and God wants to just transform that season into a beautiful season into our lives. I, my approach to this has not been, yeah, have I been have I been saddened that I can't go out to eat, that I can't go watch a ball game? But let me tell you something. I told the Lord on Wednesday when he put me, I, I'm not saying he did that, but when I was flat on my back and couldn't do nothing else, I said, God, I want to thank you for this season. Because I believe this is the very season that you're going to take in my life. You're going to put me back, and you're going to the things that are going to be built in this city for the next 10, 20, and 30 years, I'm going to be able to look back and say, let me tell you something. When we had COVID-19 that shut everything down, God put something fresh in my life in that season that has, prepared, that has propelled me into the season that you see now. That's what I'm thankful for. So listen to this. Acts chapter 4. Let's close with this. Verse 13. After this healing happens, Peter and John have to go before the Sanhedrin. They look at them and says, these men are ignorant, unlearned men. In other words, these are just common people. These are common people. These are just, these just backwood country folk. Come on, y'all. These are just, these are just simple people. Read it out of the passage. You've got to read the verse of Scripture. Read it, Acts chapter 4, 
verse 13 out of the Passion. I, you just you got to read it. It's just that good. We got to read it before we get out of here. Yeah, come on. Go right here. Acts chapter. Uh, the council members, which is what Pastor John told you, the Sanhedrin, the council members. The council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had, who had never had religious training. Read it one more time right here. I'll make sure because there was one verse I was looking at something else. Right? What okay, verse 13 says, yeah. The council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never had religious training. Go on, keep reading. Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. Oh, my God. Read that one more time. Okay, so standing there, they said, after they realized that these are just a bunch of ordinary, untrained men who had never had any religious training, they say, then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. Imagine what would happen if May 1st, if we just took that verse of Scripture and we were able to gather back together in May and the people focused on one thing, spending time with Jesus, what type of effect would that have on my marriage, on my children? Friend, I'm just going to be good honest with you. My wife can tell every time that I've spent time with Jesus. I've seen my wife come in and say, "My," she, she'll look at me and she said, you You've been at that cabin all day today, she said, because I can see it in your eyes. Friend, the greatest thing we can give away is the love of Jesus. Spending time with the Lord. How simple is that? Does it take rocket science? But yet, how many of us are really spending time with the Lord? How many is that? Is that our main focus? So when we when we do when we do the Sons of Thunder, when we got all these young leaders together, I really don't care how they're building their sermon notes. What I do care about is the rhythms of their life. Where is your place of prayer? Where is your secret place? I remember Catherine, Catherine uh, knows this, knows this uh, evangelist's name, but I remember Catherine telling me a story of he was on live TV in an interview, and the TV they extended the airtime for him. The presence of God flowing on the thing. And he looked down at his watch and he said, This interview is over. And the person that was interviewing him said, Do what? He said, This interview is over. He said, I have an appointment with the king at four o'clock. And he said, I'm never late. Let me tell you this I got a text this morning that blew my mind. This came from one of our church members, a family in this church. They said, we can't go to church. We can't gather. But they got up this morning. The dad is dressed in a suit, and the mom's dressed in the finest. They got up and made themselves ready and dressed up for the word of the Lord to be sown into their house this morning. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost, man. I'm telling you. Friend, I'm telling you, this is not a bad season. This is a great season. What They could not deny the effect. They could not deny the effect. That, G, that, that, that Jesus had on these men just by, just by them spending time with the Lord. So I'm just declaring this over us as we, as we get out of here today that, that 
as this season, I, I, this is what I want to do. I'm praying just like David. God, look into my innermost being. God, look into me. Don't, don't examine my ministry. Don't examine all the things that you can look at and I can point to to say, man, these things are great. But God, look into me. I want you to reveal some things in me. I believe there's some hurts that God wants to deal with in this season. I believe there's some unforgiveness and things like that that God wants to deal with in this season. One of the last things that I, I, I want to say this, the last thing that I wrote down, I just want to say this. One of the last things that I wrote down was, was a lie of not rocking the boat, of not rocking the boat. Let me just say this real quick. Jeremiah 6, uh, verse 14 says, says, speaking of the leaders, says they dress the wound, they dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, where there is no peace. Other words, we continue to do church. We continue to do church on a false peace. And nobody wants to rock the boat. When we know that that family has an issue with that family, when this person has issues with that person, and we continue to roll on, let me tell you something, as we continue to roll on with that, friend, what that causes is division. What it causes is us leading on the path of pain and not on the everlasting way of life. So we got to be leaders that are willing to rock the boat. We've got to be willing to ask the hard questions. Why don't you go deal with yourself? Why, my God, why don't you go deal with yourself and get that right? Come on, somebody. Imagine this. In Acts chapter 5, a Peter is pastoring a church of 5,000 people. He's pastoring a church of 5,000 people, at least. Peter is not, he's not willing to have, he's not willing to have a false, a false, um, let me just say this. The kingdom of God will never be built on lies. It has to be built on truth. So we say that we love one another, yet we know that's not true. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. We say that we care, but yet we don't care. Come on, somebody. And so, so let me just say this, that the, one of the reasons that prevents us from being true family, what prevents us from being true family is not a result of what's happening at the leadership level or are there enough programs. What keeps you from joining in true relationships is your own hurts and your own insecurities in your own heart. If you begin to deal with those things, true family will be established. Now, so we, we've got to deal, we've got to be able to rock the boat. We've got to be able to rock the boat to break the lies. Are you with me now? So Peter's pastoring 5,000 people. He's got two leaders that he's got leaders like Barnabas that are selling lands and they, they man, they given everything they got for the ministry. Ananias and Sapphira are, Ananias and Sapphira are in this group of people. They pretend to be, they, they pretend to be on the, on the inside, what they're displaying on the outside. But it's not true. Peter, under the wisdom and power of the Holy Spirit, realized that they were they, what they were claiming to be on the outside, they were not on the inside. And he, in the midst of 5,000-member church, he begins to rock the boat, and he begins to deal with these issues. Now, I want to ask you, what, kind, what do you think would have happened? What do you think the effect would have been in this 5,000-member church had Peter have overlooked? Such many to look, look had overlooked what seemingly is some small issue. What would have happened is that lie would have bred throughout that whole congregation. 
they would not have had the strong character and integrity as a solid foundation into that church to accomplish all that we read in the book of Acts. So I think in this season, here's another thing. This is what, God, whoever I, whoever that I've got things against, God, get that mess out of me. Father, I pray, this is what David is saying, look into me. Look into me. See if there's any hurt that Jonathan did to me. So remove everything that Saul ever did into my life. And folks, if you've been in this thing for a while, listen, we pick up hurts. We pick up discouragement. We pick up things where, where we thought God was going to do this and, and, and he didn't do it. Let me tell you something. A lot of the things that we thought God was going to do that he didn't do, they were never in his heart to start with. They came from our own selfish ambition. And so I think we've got to take advantage of this time and say, God, look into me. Bring healing to my life so that when I come back together with my corporate body, I'm not, we, not, we, not, we, we will realize we're not on the path of pain, but we're on the path. We're on the path of everlasting joy. And we're going to lead from a place that whatever we see the Father do, that's what we're going to do. If the Father's going to the house of Bethesda and he's going to the, the house with five, four, Porty goes, come on, there's so much you can preach out there. And there's laying there sick, a 38-year-old man that needs healing. We see the Father do that. That's what we're going to do. And so we want to bless you today. I thank you guys for tuning in. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your faithfulness in the area of giving, your faithfulness in your area of support, your faithfulness to pray, and your just your faithfulness just to believe in this ministry, to believe in Catherine and I is leading this body, the elders, and what we're doing. And so, Father, we just we just thank you today. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the power of your spirit, God, that we feel in this room. And Lord, we just thank you, Father, that there is no time, distance, or 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 in in the spirit. God, what is in this room is in that house. And friend, let me tell you something. Let, I'm, I'm going to close out with this. I'm, I'm going to close out with this story. Like, those that come to this church know that I have multiple closings, but this is my final closing. I remember when I was an 18-year-old kid, my life was later, radically transformed by the Lord Jesus on February the 2nd of 1998. In my church, in my church, the height of the service is sometimes we would cry and maybe people would hug one another. But I knew nothing about, I knew nothing about prayer. I knew nothing about what we were talking about this morning, about what, whatever. And I'll never forget being invited to a youth group. And when I was invited to this youth group, when I went there, that they were not playing games. They were not on the Nintendos. They were not shooting basketball and those things. I'm not knocking all of that. I, we do all of that, okay? But th this was not what was happening in this group of people. There was about 60 kids. The lights was cut off. And I remember walking into the building, and I almost stepped on someone. And I was like, what in the world is going on? These teenagers was laying up under the chairs, shaking and travailing in prayer. And I, that is my first, that was the first time in my life I'd ever seen anything like that, to know that there was a place that, man, we could, we could get at that place. And I'll never forget the first time I was filled with the Spirit of God in spoken tongues. And I realized that I could speak in tongues in my bedroom just the way I could at the house. Let me tell you something, friend. God is just as real in your home as he's ever been in this church. The greatest encounters I ever had was not in a corporate setting, but in a secret place with the Lord by himself, by myself. And so I just want to bless you with that. I want to bless you with a just a just a newfound passion for the secret place with God. As God cuts the light on into your heart. And he shows you the areas of pain. He shows you the areas of rejection. He shows you the areas that you've gotten walled up in your life. And I'm, I'm just telling you what I'm praying. You begin to deal with those things. 
begin to look at areas where you've been on the path of pain instead of the path of everlasting life. And friend, I promise you, as we adjust our lives and we adjust ourselves and we get on the path of everlasting joy, you're going to watch. You're going to watch everything in your household change. You're going to watch strife come out of your house. You're going to watch all of the things begin to sh- shift to a house of peace. And so, Father, I bless us with houses of peace right now in the name of the Lord. I break fear and anxiety off of our people right now in the name of Jesus. And I just release great faith into them. And knowing that you have everything covered in this season, I remind you I remind you of this, Psalms 41, I think it is. It says that God holds everything in the span of his hand. The span is from the tip of the thumb to the end of the pinky. And in Hawaii, that means hang loose. So I'm just telling you right now, hang loose. God's got us. Greater days are ahead, and we love you. God bless you all, friend, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.